What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I'm going to show you how dividends are a key source of cash flow the wealthier you get and how the 1% truly embrace them. So if you appreciate videos like this then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet and click the bell notification. Now I recommend that you watch this entire video because I'm going to share some fascinating data like how much dividends people in the US make at varying income levels including the top 1%. And when people talk about the 1%, they usually mean who's in the top 1% of net worth. However, they could also mean the top 1% of incomes. Your net worth is your assets minus your liabilities. Assets are like cash, stocks, equity and real estate, etc. And liabilities are what you owe, so car loans or student loans, your mortgage, your credit card debt, etc. According to Credit Suisse's 2021 Global Wealth Report, the top 1.1% of all adults around the world, aka about 56 million people, have more than 1 million US dollars of net worth. So that makes things easy. It basically means that if you have a net worth of around a million US dollars, then you're basically in the 1%. Congrats! Or like if you're Canadian, it means you would need 1.3 million Canadian dollars to be in the top 1% worldwide. So now I'll cover a little bit about net worth, aka wealth, before I transition to talking about dividends a bit later in the video. Okay, this graph also shows us that about 11% of the population has a net worth in the range of $100,000 to a million. Going down one more tier, it says that about 33% of the population on Earth has a net worth in the $10,000 to $100,000 range. And then finally, about 55% of the population has a net worth less than $10,000, and some folks have a negative net worth. As you watch this, don't fret if you're around the bottom of the pyramid. First, that's where the majority of people are. Second, I can assure you that only a minority of people are educating themselves to become more financially literate, like you are watching videos like this. Thus, I'm fully confident that you will work your way up the pyramid and you'll probably end up near the top, even if you don't think you can. Get motivated by what you're doing, not beaten down by where you are. Okay, since being a US millionaire basically equates to being in the top 1%, let's see which countries have the highest concentrations of millionaires. This data shows us that the country with the highest percentage of millionaires in the world is Switzerland, where about 15% of adults were millionaires in 2020. Impressive. Next is Australia, where 9.4% of adults have a net worth of at least a million dollars, and then we get the USA where 8.8% .8 of people make the cut. If we look towards the bottom of the list, we see that only 0.1% of adults in India have a $1 million plus net worth. Okay, this data breaks down country rankings by wealth. On the left we have average wealth per adult in 2020, aka the mean wealth per adult. So the country with the highest average wealth per adult is Switzerland, where the average adult has a net worth of 674 grand. But averages sometimes don't tell you the full story, because big outliers like billionaires bring the average up. Or if there is a heavy concentration of people with negative net worths it would bring averages down. So I prefer looking at medians, which is on the right hand side of the list. Medians tell you the number where half the people are over it and half are under it. Thus, it's often more representative of where most people are. And we can see that Switzerland falls down to 6th in the list with the median wealth per adult at about 147 grand, which tells me that Switzerland has some of the biggest outliers in terms of wealth, which doesn't surprise me. I've heard that billionaires like to store their wealth in neutral countries like Switzerland, which is why it's such a big deal that they just said that they may break with their tradition of always being neutral, and may instead freeze Russian assets in their banks in retaliation to the invasion into the Ukraine. The US is second on the list of averages, with the average US adult having a net worth of 505 grand, but the US isn't even in the top 20 for medians. 
What that means is that the US has some really rich people in it which pushes up the average, like Jeff and Bill and Elon, but it unfortunately also means that we have lots of non-wealthy people overall, to the point that we don't even make the top 20 median wealth list. When we look at where ultra-high net worth people live by country, we see that the USA has most, followed by China and then Germany. And if we break down the numbers by region, we see that North America is on top, followed by Europe and then China. Now another metric some use for the top 1% is income rather than net worth. This data is in 2018 US dollars and it breaks down how much actual pre-tax cash flow it takes to be in the top 1% for various places around the world. So on the upper end we have the United Arab Emirates where it takes $922,000 a year to be in the top 1% of income there. We see that the US is at third place where you need $488,000 a year of pre-tax income to be in the top 1%. And then on the bottom end, we see that if you lived in India and you made $77,000 a year, you would be amongst the top 1% of income earners. Hmm, maybe I should move to India. I found another source of data looking at wage data in 2020 in the US, and they pegged the top 1% of earners making an average of 823 grand a year. So there is a lot of variance of being at the top 1% based on where you live in the world or in the US. Like West Virginia is one of the poorest states in the country, where almost 18% of residents live in poverty. The top 1% of income earners in West Virginia's highest earning city made 319 grand in 2020. But if you go to an expensive city in Connecticut, which has the highest average earners, then you can find that the top 1% earn at least 827 grand a year, with the average being even higher due to the outliers. One observation made was that across populations, incomes tend to rise with how far you climb up the educational ladder. So incomes tend to be higher in states that have a larger share of college-educated adults. I remember once I was driving through a ritzy neighborhood, someone had a big sign outside their mansion that said high school dropout on it. Okay, now let's take a look at the composition or sources of that income and net worth. Here is data gathered from IRS public files in 1996 and 2006 for people in the USA. It shares five different income ranges of people and identifies their five main sources of income, both in 1996 and 2006, so you can see how it's trending. So first it shows the bottom 80% of incomes in the US, then we have the top 20%, then the top 5%, 1%, and top 0.1% of incomes. For the people who were in the bottom 80% of income in 1996, 82% of their overall income came from wages, and in 2006 they still had 82% of their income coming from wages. But only 1.4% of their income in 1996 was from dividends and capital gains, and then it decreased to about half of that in 2006. So poor folks were investing even less over that decade, probably due to inflation rising faster than wages. What you will find is that the higher up the income categories you go, the more income comes from dividends and capital gains, and the more income comes from business income. The article observes that dividend income tends to be concentrated at the top of the income ladder. So the top 1% in 1996 had 34% of their income coming from wages and salaries, and around 31% of their income came from dividends and capital gains. That means they get about the same amount of income from their investments as they do from their job. Another big category for the top 1% is business income, where about 18% of their income came from a business. Then when we look at 2006 for the top 1%, we see that their wages now only provide 26% of their overall income, but dividends and capital gains are now 38% of their income. So the trend we see for the top 1% is that their dividends and capital gains are becoming a greater percentage of their income. So the wealthy clearly recognize that you can't just focus on your job, but also need to build up your assets as over time that will do more for you than your job. This becomes even more apparent when you look at the income composition of the top 
In 2006, the top 0.1% had only about 19% of their income coming from wages, but about 52% came from dividends and capital gains. And since the tax code is built to encourage and reward investors, the top 1% and above end up paying less taxes as a percentage of their income than you probably do. The IRS report calls out that part of the reason we see rising income inequality is because wealthy folks are getting more income from dividends and capital gains. In fact, and I'll quote, changes in income from capital gains and dividends were the single largest contributor to rising income inequality between 1996 and 2006. Changes in tax policy also made a significant contribution to the increase in income inequality, but even in the absence of tax policy changes, income inequality would likely have increased. Although earning inequality increased between 1996 and 2006, changes in wages and salaries appear to have had little effect on the increase in overall income inequality. So why are the rich getting richer? Well, dividends and capital gains are key drivers. Okay, here's some tax data from the IRS for the years of 2000 and 2001, which further illuminates sources of income. It shows how many tax returns were filed each year and what sort of income was reported in those returns. The number of returns are listed in thousands, so it means about 129 million people filed tax returns in the US in 2000 and 130 million filed returns in 2001. The money amounts listed are in millions of dollars, so in 2000, about $6.3 trillion of income was reported to the IRS in the USA. Then they break down the sources of that reported income. In 2000, we see the dividends were reported in 34 million of the 129 million tax returns. Thus, around 26% of people in the US got dividend income in 2000, both from qualified and non-qualified dividends. The total amount of dividends they got in 2000 was $147 billion. Yummy. Feel free to take a screenshot if you want to see how much income came from salaries or real estate rentals or pensions or etc. An interesting realization of these years of IRS data is that it's basically a before and after of the dot-com crash. So you can see how in 2001 the amount of dividends paid out decreased by $27 billion relative to 2000. Going deeper into dividends, this is IRS data from 2001 that focuses on returns that had dividends. Here it shows that about 33 million returns had dividends, and then it shows a breakdown based on how much adjusted gross income people had and how much total dividends they got. Here the amounts are in thousands. So for example, people who were in the 75k to 100k adjusted gross income range were about 4 million of the 32.6 million returns that had dividends in 2001. And that group reported a total amount of 10 billion in dividends paid out, so on average the people in that 75k to 100k income group made about $2,500 in dividends. We previously saw that the top 1% of incomes in the US ranges between 500k to 800k a year, so let's look at the 500k to 1 million range they list here. So in this range we see 324,000 taxable returns, and in total they pulled in 8.6 billion in dividends, which means on average the top 1% make $26,649 in dividends a year. I also found IRS data from 2011 where they break down qualified dividends by income. They said that overall, 17% of tax returns filed in 2011 reported income from qualified dividends. So less than one in five people. Of that 17% of people who had qualified dividends, this is the breakdown of how much they got. So the first category is people who made less than 15 grand of adjusted gross income in 2011. We see that 8% of those people had qualified dividend income, and on average it was for $1,090 a year. Then the next category is for people who made between 15k to 40k of adjusted income. In that group of people, 9% had qualified dividends on average of $2,004 a year. Below them are people in the 40k to 100k AGI range. 
21% of those people had qualified dividends, and on average they made $2,587 in dividends a year. Next are the lower upper class folks who made between 100k to 250k in AGI, and of those we see that 41% had qualified dividends that on average amounted to $4,166 that year. Then we have the upper class folks who made between 250k to a million a year in adjusted gross income. 70% of those people had qualified dividends that made $14,704 a year. Finally, we have the upper upper class people who made over a million dollars in adjusted gross income. A huge 87% of those people had qualified dividends, and on average they made around 188 grand a year in dividends. I wish they showed median amounts, because the outliers can unfortunately obfuscate the data. They also said that in 2011, around 50% of qualified dividends were reported by taxpayers aged 65 and over. That's why I love boomers, they're smart. Across all other age groups, about 13% received qualified dividends as income in 2011. Moving on, this data shows us that the average amount of dividends that people got across all tax returns that had dividends was $5,646 a year. Okay, now let's go higher level for a moment and look at the concentration of stock ownership by wealth bracket. Here we see that the top 1% own 40% of all stocks and the top 10% own about 93% of all stocks. So we looked at sources of income, now let's look at sources of net worth. Here is a view of the composition of wealth across three categories of net worth in the United States. On the left are people with a net worth less than or equal to about half a million dollars. In the middle is net worth from half a million to 10 million. And then on the right are the very rich with a net worth over 10 million. The green color is the percentage of income that comes from businesses or from real estate that isn't your house. So that means for people under 471k of net worth, they have about 8% of their assets in either a business or in real estate that isn't their house. The middle group has almost 25% of their assets in that business and real estate category. Then the super rich have 49% of their assets in businesses and 9 primary residence real estate. The next category in darker green is for stocks and mutual funds and such. The under 471k net worth people have around 4% of their assets in stocks. The up to 10 million group has around 19% of their assets in stocks. And then the over 10 million group has 31% of their assets in stocks. So the more net worth you have, the greater percentage of your assets are in stocks. Pension accounts are the next category and is in blue. We see the under 471k group has about 17% of their assets in pensions. The up to 10 million group has 22% in pensions. And the over 10 million group has only 6% in pensions. Then the final main category is your primary residence in purple. So for people under 471k net worth, about 62% of their assets are in their house. That makes sense when you think about it, because your house has often been people's primary source of assets. The problem with that is that most primary residences aren't cash flowing, unless you're selling rooms to rent or something, which doesn't happen too frequently with your primary residence. I kind of look at houses like functional gold, since you can live in them and they have value that's locked up generally until you sell. Of course, you could take loans against the equity of your house. The 500k to 10 million group has only 25% of their assets in their primary residence. And then the super wealthy group over 10 million has only 7.6% of their assets tied up in their primary residence. Okay, so all of that data should motivate you to invest in stocks intelligently. Copy the wealthy. You can see that dividends in stocks and businesses is where the action is at, and that the further you go up the wealth ladder, the more their dividend snowballs are growing faster. The wealthy are wealthy because they invest in assets, usually cash flowing assets like dividends. The wealthier you are, the greater percentage of your wealth is coming from dividends. The wealthy understand how to use their money to make money. They see the advantages of starting their own businesses. So what can you do? 
Well, first make sure you are continually learning and upgrading your skills to make yourself valuable and employable. Keep becoming more financially literate. Practice living frugally and delaying gratification by spending less and investing more. Work hard now so you can have an easier life down the road. Remember, everyone has their own challenges they face and need to overcome. Like maybe you live in a country which has tons of corruption and a terrible education system. That sucks and it means you'll have to work harder to climb up. Or maybe you were born with a nasty health condition. That sucks, but regardless you gotta work to overcome it. You can learn a lot by studying the wealthy. Learn how the tax code works. Invest in quality cash flowing assets. Start your own side hustle business. It's okay if you start small and slow. Just keep pushing it and you'll keep growing and growing. Eventually you'll explode in profitability. Wait, what are we talking about again? Oh yeah, the key is starting and not quitting. It's about being on a better financial path than you were on yesterday. You'll make mistakes and that's normal. Just learn and get back on that horse if you get bucked off. Use your weekends to build the life you want, not escape the life you have. What I mean is that if you're serious about moving up financially, then spend some time on the weekend working on a side hustle to grow your wealth instead of just vegging out on Netflix or playing video games. Yes, some downtime is good, but just not too much. And then as more income flows in, invest intelligently into your portfolio. Speaking of portfolios, M1 Brokerage has a promotion running for a free $50 cash bonus. The way it works is you click on my M1 referral link in the description of this video and then either open a brokerage account and fund it with $100 or open a retirement account and fund it with $500. Then you need to keep your money inside the new account for 30 days from the date of deposit to get the free referral cash. Make sure to check the details before you sign up to see what they're offering when you watch this video. Okay, now I'd like to shout out my latest Patreon aristocrat who has signed up since my last video. So thank you, Omigna. Aristocrats gain access to my dividend spreadsheet product that I use in my videos, and they gain access to multiple private channels on my free dividend Discord chat server, where I let my upper tier Patreons watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as let them vote on which thumbnails I use for my videos, and of course they get more direct access to me. And if you made it this far in the video, then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has thousands of dividend investors on it, and it's growing all the time. So thanks for watching this video, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.